Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome all you scallywags to episode 120 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And, you know, we are just pleased as punch to be back with you today. Even though we had five straight weeks of episodes. This is six straight weeks now. I think this is actually seven. Do we have one right before? I think so. Son of a bitch. (laughs) It just never fucking ends. I don't know how you podcasts do do weekly episodes. Y'all are crazy. I don't don't know. I mean, their episodes are usually much shorter than ours. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) But we just put more blood, sweat, and tears in ours. Yeah, some people bank, like, they'll record, like, four in a weekend or something. Yeah, which we've discussed before, but... But we do news. Yeah, I mean... It's got to be topical. We could just... We could do, like, a news episode and then do just a reviews episode, like we did with Octoberama, but that's not really our format, and that... that is if that we, something people would want? I don't know. But I feel like if we did, then Octoberama would kind of lose its luster. Yeah. Because that's kind of special, you know? Mm-hmm. And just... I don't, I don't want to do that much editing. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, the minisodes require much less editing, but still, that's time out of my life that I can't get back. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, what's up, Taylor? What's up, Ryan? (laughs) 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 Um, Not much. For anybody who did not listen all the way through our two-and-a-half-hour minisode (laughs) last week. What happened? (laughs) Uh, Great Plot Film Fest tickets are on sale as of right now. You can get them at graveplotfilmfest.com. Yeah, uh, we're pretty excited to have this all going. I mean, you've, you've heard the spiel before. Um, February 2nd at the Arc Lodge Theater. Is art theater or just cinema? Cinemas. Arc Lodge Cinemas at, uh, in uh, Columbia City, uh, Seattle. Um, we're going to be showing four straight hours. Well, not straight hours. We're going to have a break. Got to have a break. You can't just sit and watch four hours of things i watched suspiria <laughs> shit was <laughs> took forever <laughs> it takes so long um anyway but yeah four hours of uh of in your face action short films from around the world we are very excited to present it all to you and yeah like i said february 2nd tickets are on sale <clears throat> so go check it did you drop the website greatplotfilmfest.com yeah um we have what 70 tickets left uh, give or take, yeah. Yeah. So those are going to go quick, hopefully. <laughs> so get yours today. Um. Anyway, what else is new? Anything? Uh, No, not really. It's only been a week. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I started my new, well, not my new job, but I moved to my new office this week. Uh, it was pretty sweet. 15-minute commute. You, you can't beat that. Yeah. <laughs> um. And uh, it, it's weird, though, because I'm in an office by myself. First oh, time, really? Yeah, first time I've ever had an office. Um, but, you know, because I, I work in payroll and accounting, so it's like that stuff's got to stay locked up when I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's private, confidential information. Um, so, yeah, I've got an office all to myself. There was talk about putting somebody else in there with me, but now that I've seen the office, it's like you can't fit two people in there. It's insane. Um but, uh, yeah, it, so it's it's weird because, I mean, the office isn't full yet because it's a brand new branch that we just opened. There are two people from my department that are there full time. 
and then one of the managers is there part-time and then there are people from another department on the other side of the building that you know i they may as well not even be there so it's just me sitting there by myself pretty much not talking to anyone all day long it's just much more isolating than i ever thought it was going to be i i wouldn't trade it it's it's awesome <laughs> uh just being able to just sit there and listen to my music all day just, I mean, just watch porn whenever you want just watch all the porn don't worry about anybody looking over your shoulder if anybody that i work with is listening to this i don't watch porn at work <laughs> come on <laughs> thank you taylor <laughs> um but it, no i mean the, the the biggest benefit is the 15 minute commute you know i did four years of giving up essentially about an hour and a half to three hours or sorry and uh sorry two to three hours of my life every single day getting to and from work i mean i had basically an 11 hour work day yeah it's it's insane (laughs) so i feel like i've put in my time i've earned that 15 minute commute yeah um and uh anyway so it's it's pretty cool uh and i won't have to come seattle as often which is also a benefit yeah yeah we had our halloween party which you know we recorded right before we had the party that went pretty well i think mm-hmm yeah everyone i talked to you had fun hmm? everyone i talked to you about it had fun yeah um we had god there's a lot of people there i it must have been around 20 it was so. over 20 because we made we, made 24 we did 12 outs. sheets and we handed them all out and i think the one guy that had the baby costume, the baby carrying him, I don't think he got one. Oh. So there must have been 25 people there. Jesus Christ. And I don't have a very large house. Yeah. And I have a one bathroom. So that, actually, that didn't actually become much of a problem, that at least that I noticed. Yeah, I didn't notice there even in like a line at any point. Yeah. I know I was waiting to take a shit at one point, which was just kind of ironic. Waiting to take a shit in my own house. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's fun. How was your actual Halloween night? Kind of lame. I mean, you know, it, it's nice to be able to just sit at home with my wife and just watch scary movies. It's pretty much the only time that we both agree that's what we want to do. Um, but you know, we were both excited when we moved into our house that we'd actually have some trick or treaters. You know, we. I remember doing that as a kid, like you know, obviously going out and trick or treating myself, but then coming back. Um, at the end of the night, and you know, there'd still be kids out, usually like the older kids, uh, still out trick or treating. So, you know, I'd hand out candy myself. So, my entire life, it's just like that was kind of one of those things I look forward to owning a house or living in a house, period. But I don't know. We just bought a house in like a trick or treat dead zone or something because we, last year, we had like a couple groups. I think we gave out candy to probably a total of like 10 to 15 kids. This year, we had one group of four kids, and the rest of the night was dead. Didn't get a single other trick-or-treater. It was a total fucking bummer. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, it's like, I guess now we, we don't <clears throat> buy candy anymore, because you know, I went out and bought a $10 bag of candy and gave out a handful of it, and now my wife and I have just been munching on it, which is just a bad idea. Yeah. I need to get it out of the house. Um, but, yeah. How's yours? It was cool. We went to a trivia at the cider place. Oh yeah, yeah. Came in fourth. What was the, was it a theme or? Not really. They they like one round was horror movies. She was like, "I'm gonna give you uh, 
a description of the killer or the year, a description of the killer, um, a description of the kill and a location. Mm-hmm. She's like, and you have to give me the name of the movie and the actor who plays the killer. Oh, that's fucked up. That changes like so often, like even like uh, Jason or Michael Myers. But she would give you like the year and like the location and stuff. So you would know which movie it was from. Well, sure. But do you know who played Michael Myers in all the movies? No, I only know Nick Castle in the first one. Yeah. See, I mean, I know all of the Jasons, but that's just because I'm a freak a nut. <laughs> but like, I, I think very few people, few, very few other people would know all that. Well, we got them all right, except for two of the actors. Mm. Well, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Because I couldn't remember who played the grown-up Haley Joel Osment in Sixth Sense. It's fucking Donnie Wahlberg. Wait, what? That was supposed to be him as an adult? Yeah. I think no. so. Did they say that? No. Oh, no, that was a that was Bruce Willis's patient, the one that killed him. Well, anyways. And uh uh I couldn't remember who shot the thing that blew up in Jaws. Rory something. Roy Schreider? Yeah. So I was like Richard Dreyfus. I knew it wasn't him, but no, I was he was already dead. <laughs> that was the only name I could remember from Jaws. So there you go. I got we got the rest of them right. Hey, as soon as she like announced the what how the category was going to work, my girlfriend's just like, yeah, and here hand, you go, <laughs> hands me the sheet. Yeah, that's probably the wise thing. Yeah. Pe- people like to bring me to trivia. I mean, even though I don't really do it all that often, but they just kind of assume that I'm like a ringer. <laughs> it's like I know stuff about like movies and just a lot of general thing like just random shit it's like i'm not like a trivia machine <laughs> it's like yeah if you, if you have a subject about movies or you know more specifically horror then yeah i'm probably your guy but in other things just it, it's really going to be a crapshoot <laughs> yeah if it's like history or geography or something then yeah but um yeah cool didn't yeah. go to see evil dead or anything like that no just came home and watched uh Watch Trick or Treat afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we watched Trick or Treat, or we watched Hocus Pocus first, then we watched Trick or Treat, and then uh, I think we watched like a couple episodes of Sabrina. You've been watching that, right? Yeah. You don't like it? I got over it real quick. Really? Yeah, I liked the first couple episodes. I was just like, all right, this is not going anywhere. I enjoyed it. The, uh, the, um... It got too Harry Potter-ish for me. You think? Yeah. Mm. I didn't get that, but... With the whole like separate school and everything, I was just like, "Oh, this is like Hogwarts and whatever." <laughs> sure, uh, it's a uh, it's very political and it's not subtle about it either. No, it's very feminist for sure. Oh well, yeah. Um, which I mean, I don't have a problem with that. If no, it, I don't have a if it was like this right wing rhetoric, then then yeah, I'd take issue with it. But it's about you know, like we so- need to build a wall, to keep these witches out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is that kind of shit, but they're seen as like the antagonists right um which is good i mean it's it's very uh progressive and um sends a good message about equality mm-hmm. um but it's it like i said it's not subtle at all no it's, it's not it's, it's very not. heavy-handed which uh i think we could probably get into about that in our reviews later <laughs> kind of something along the same lines yeah 
Anyway, um, so I think before we get any further into the show, we should uh, remember to thank our Patreon patrons. Uh, there's a handful of lovely people that like to give us money every month uh, so we can continue to bring you this nonsensical bullshit every other week. Um, those so blame them. <laughs> it's their fault. Um, those people are Kevin Nosgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you very much, guys, for all your support and all your uh, all your lovely money. We we like to uh, burn it and light, light big cigars with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I would never burn money. Hell no. I'd go like, spend it at 7-Eleven before I burned it. I keep pennies, man. Sure, yeah. Like, I don't keep them in my pocket, but I just... I... Yesterday, or not yesterday, but the other day at work, I just went on this bitch session about, why doesn't the vending machine take pennies? <laughs> I was like, I have so many goddamn pennies. I could buy so many chips. <laughs> I have... When I started uh, at my job, the desk I sat at pretty and until I moved to this new office, um, before I started there, it was a desk that like a temp would sit at. It was just... Uh, like a, an open desk for a floater basically. Um, and uh, so there's just a bunch of random shit sitting on my desk that didn't really belong to anyone. There was like this little uh, Whitman's chocolate sampler box, like a tiny little box about the size of a deck of cards, uh, just full of pennies. It's just like, okay, well that's cool. Free pennies, but what the fuck am I going to do with them? <laughs> and so they sat there on my desk for four years, uh, almost five now. And I, I picked them up and I took them to my new office. Like, I don't know what to do with them. I'd go to 7-Eleven. Sure, yeah. Just dump them on the counter. I actually did. I think there used to be like some silver change in there too. And I think I used it to like go buy breakfast a few times or something. Because <laughs> I, I, I'll just have like a banana for breakfast. So I'd like go to the market down the, by the corner, down on the corner and uh, uh, use it to buy a banana. So basically, uh, we're uh, fucking cheap. <laughs> so true. My wife and I paid for uh, our our first vacation we took together. We paid for that almost with entirely with change, just the change that we had saved up. Took it all to a coin star, like o- like almost a thousand dollars worth of change Shit. between the two of us. Because I had this big ass like uh, Bavarian pretzel plastic barrel thing that was about half full of change, um, and uh, she had just change in like different containers that she had just saved up like her entire life or something <laughs> there was just so much change and yes seriously we paid for a large amount of our uh um vacation with just that change nice yeah and so it's like oh we can totally afford to go on vacation and then we spent all the change it's like oh man we can never afford to go on vacation again <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the point is, if you don't want us digging up change all the time, head to patreon.com slash podcast For as little as $1 a month, you can get exclusive video reviews. You can see our beautiful faces talking about movies that you pick every month. The more you give, the more you get. If you give $100, I will get a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. I'm still waiting, guys. I, I want Taylor to get a fat unicorn on his ass. It's like a goal in life now. It'd be great if Matt did it. If he did the tattoo or did give you the $100? Both. Oh, well, sure, yeah. He, he pays you to give you a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> and you only have to do it for one month because, you know, once the tattoo's there, you can't get rid of it. That's right. It's there for life. 
Because he's too cheap to get it removed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's on my ass. No one's going to see it. Um. Anyway. Any other thing? Nope. You speaking backwards? Yep. Tony's speaking in tongues, guys. He's possessed. Yep. Anything else to talk about? Nope. Okay. Want to start with some horror business? Yep. feel like vegetarians are judging you oh most of the time yeah <laughs> especially like vegans they're even worse especially fucking PETA. yeah oh they're they're just like they are terrorists terror they're domestic terrorists um and they're out of their fucking minds yeah um but yeah like i've been like i've been to like barbecues and stuff where it's like you know the vegetarians want you to grill their vegetables or their meat, the meatless patties or whatever and it's like you you know you cook your hamburger and then you put it on the grill put their shit on the grill with your hamburger and they're like uh can you do that separately no <laughs> you bring your own fucking grill next time yeah fire cleanses all you'll be fine like you're not kosher just shut the hell up yeah like I mean, I can understand uh, being a vegetarian for health reasons, but people that just want to do it and then pass judgment on others that aren't vegetarian, just like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I kind of forget that you exist as a person who consumes things because you're a vegetarian. It's probably best that you just do the same. It makes me think of uh, Parks and Rec when they went to the health food store and the guy was giving Ron the, the vegan bacon. And he just like takes it and throws it in the garbage. He's like, another, please. <laughs> the guy gives him another one. He just throws it in the garbage. He's like, another. The guy's like, are you just going to throw it in the garbage? <laughs> yes, I am. Because <laughs> that is where it belongs. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's a slight against just the human race. <laughs> just the world in general. Fucking vegetarian bacon or vegan bacon. Yeah, that's like... God gives you this great gift. Yeah. And you're just like, no, nah, I'm going to eat the shoe instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, here's this animal who's really not good for anything but eating. And it's like, no, don't eat that animal. Why not? What else <laughs> is it going to do? Roll in shit and eat? <laughs> That's what. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say something that was, was just unnecessarily mean. <laughs> just a bridge too far. Yeah. Um, Anyways, people are probably wondering what this conversation has to do with right. anything. This is leading somewhere. But in a real world horror story, we're going to go over to Bangkok. One yeah. night in Bangkok. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dick. <laughs> Bang. Like a dick, yeah. <laughs> like a man dick. <laughs> uh, where a vegetarian chef uh, decided that he was going to kill... Uh, a customer, and then feed the person to the other customers. The, to the vegan customers. <laughs> um, some, uh, some diners at a restaurant in Bangkok discovered that the noodles they were eating had a meaty, mince-like substance sprinkled throughout. Then you question that? They didn't say, excuse me, garçon. Well, they did. 
But instead of going to the chef, they went to the police. Fair enough. Uh, Which I don't think they thought it was human. I think they were just like, hey, this false advertising, I guess. Sure. So, yeah, I guess in that case, going to the police was a bit, oh, Christ, a bit extreme. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so this was uh, especially noticeable or notable, given, given that the restaurant had advertised as being a vegetarian, according to a Singaporean news site, um, Asia One. And so the disgruntled diners made a report to the local authorities. The authorities performed an inspection of the premises uh, and verified that the eatery was serving minced up human flesh. I wonder how they discovered that, like, off the bat. Did they just, just like, find a... Uh, oh, wait. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Okay, they have pull. a little tester. I guess I should have read these before. If it's yellow, it's salmonella. If it's blue, it's your Aunt Sue. <laughs> what? It's from Bob's Burgers. Oh. <laughs> Police rushed to the restaurant. They rushed to the restaurant because a vegetarian restaurant was serving meat. <laughs> Stop right there. <laughs> Clearly, this must have been a slow day at the police office. <laughs> um, police rushed to the restaurant and found a blood spatter, blood spattered across the kitchen walls. <laughs> it's like a goddamn massacre in here. <laughs> uh, small hunks of human meat were strewn across the floor, and shortly thereafter, the body of a 61-year-old Prazit uh, Impathum uh, was found dumped in the septic tank. Did, why did this? Why did this chef think it was a good idea to do that? I mean, like, if you're gonna kill someone, you should be a little more coy about it. I would think. Well, and like, if you're going to try to hide the evidence by serving it to customers, a vegetarian restaurant is the worst place to do that. Yeah, because if you serve vegetarians meat, they're gonna notice. Yeah. Best laid plans, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> or the poorest. Uh, Newsweek reports that Prazit had been a regular at the restaurant and was last seen having drinks there on October 21st. Local reports suggest that he had gotten into a fight with the owner. He had allegedly been struck in the head with a blunt object and had multiple knife wounds on his body. This legit sounds like something out of like a Tales from the Crypt or something. Yeah, right? Actually, specifically one with Christopher Reeve and Meatloaf. Was the was Meatloaf the guy that got eaten and served? Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. His name's Meatloaf. <laughs> uh, they, they went real literal with it. Yeah. No, it, like uh, had, let's see, it was Christopher Reeve. Uh, Meatloaf was like the owner of the restaurant. Like he owned uh, the restaurant. Or, it's like a, the property owner. So he's like Christopher Reeve and his wife. I want to say it was Mario Kidder, but I don't think that's right. Uh were paying him rent and he was just hounding them and so they chopped him up and fed him to people yep uh and then the town sheriff was the guy that played babe ruth in the sandlot <laughs> <laughs> um anyway uh investigators concluded that the eatery boss who remains at large oh they haven't gotten the guy this seriously sounds like a fucking movie or like uh like criminal minds or something yeah this is twisted uh, let's see, the eater who remains at large murdered Prazit and was trying to dispose of his body by cooking into the restaurant's meals and serving it to customers. It's not known how many others inadvertently ate human. You know, once you get the taste for human flesh, you got the hunger. 
<laughs> That's where Wendigos come from, by the way. Taylor turned into a Wendigo once. That's right. I ate Tony's eyes. Yep. Broke his tooth on some part of me. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. This was before Tony got eaten by the frog person. Yeah. Or um, what happened most recently? Oh, you got stabbed in the face with a screwdriver from Max. Right. (laughs) I'm just as good as fucking red shirt. (laughs) Anyway. Head to greatplotpodcast.com to read these stories and more. Yeah, Nez Ghost Stories. Yeah. Is that like the official name? Yep. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So the moral of the story is don't eat people. It's not nice. <laughs> and don't kill people and feed them to vegetarians because... They're going to notice. Yeah, they're, they're going to they're gonna get wise to it. Anyway. All right. Talk about something else? Something else. Something less gross. Let's hear for the boy. Let's give the boy a hand. Let's hear for my baby. You know you gotta understand. Oh, maybe he's your Romeo. But he's my loving one man. I mean, I guess this is less gross. More disappointing, though. Uh, last, was it last year? I think it was last year. That sounds right. We talked about a movie called The Boy. Boy. Uh, starring Lauren Cohen. Uh, we thought it was okay, I think. I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, it's getting a sequel for some reason. Yeah, but why? Uh, Lauren Cohen is not returning. Instead, the lead will be Miss Katie Holmes. I mean, it makes Joey. sense. Joey! <laughs> It makes sense that uh, Lauren Cohen would not be returning, because would you ever go back to that house? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, also, well, who is returning is original writer Stacy Manier and original director William Brent Bell. You know, in a movie that was like really good, I'd see that as a positive. But in a movie that was like just okay at best, I'm not like. Not impressed. <laughs> is that doing anything? Do you, do you hear it doing anything? I thought maybe it might be on the recording. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, wait, that did something. What did? I don't know. I just got louder for a second. Oh, yeah. I accidentally hit yours. <laughs> don't worry. These are all disconnected mics. I can touch these as much as I want. <laughs> so the story of the, the second boy is unaware of the terrifying history of Heelshire Mansion, a young family moves into the estate where their young son soon makes an unsettling new friend, an eerily lifelike doll he calls Brahms. So a couple things, and I'm going to get into spoilers for the boy just to let you know. Uh, that he calls Brahms? Yeah, that's his fucking name. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the person is Brahms. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's a person. Yeah. It's not a doll. We already know the doll is not life. Like that was the the twist ending of the boy. But it's like the the doll was named Brahms because it was named after the real Brahms. After the boy. Yeah, the titular boy. Uh yeah. So I don't really understand what they're doing. I don't know. So, is it just gonna be the same movie with Katie Holmes instead? I mean it has to be, right? It sure seems that way. What what other twists and turns could possibly be uh, in the pipe for Brahms. I don't know. Like, literally, I, I, 
because the way this is described is it's all about this eerily lifelike doll again. Mm-hmm. So either the doll's actually going to be alive this time, which is just which doesn't asinine. make any sense. <laughs> That's a huge continuity issue. Or Brahms is just hiding in the wall again. Which has to be the case, because what else is there? Hold on, I'm trying to fix my mic. There we go. But why? Yeah, I don't... You're, so you're basically rebooting it. Exactly. With Katie Holmes. A year later. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's like, it says this young family moves into an estate. Young boy. I mean, didn't Brahms' parents live in that house? Are we I, not that it really matters, but I guess they're dead. Well, yeah, it says unaware of the terrifying history. I guess that's part of the terrifying history that they're dead. Yeah, just everybody dead. Sp- dead people are spoopy. Dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> um. Yep. <laughs> uh, I just I don't I don't get it. There are so many movies out there. Um that you could make a sequel for. Um, not necessarily all ones that you should make a sequel for, but, and I mean, and this is one of those. It's like, why would you ever make a sequel to this? This movie didn't, or the, the original boy did not call for uh, an extension of the story of Brahms. No. Because nobody fucking cares. And like I said, if you're going to make a sequel, you pretty much have to make it like a slasher movie. Yeah. I mean, you have to make it like, there's nowhere to go, but, uh, but crazy from here. Yeah. You've already made a fairly grounded. I mean, so, I mean, we already spoiled the ending, so who gives a fuck? Through the entire movie, you think it's like some possessed doll, that it's supernatural. You come to the end, you find that actually nothing was supernatural. The entire thing was just some dude living in the walls doing creepy shit. Yeah. Like, you know, like moving pictures. Like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Things on fishing lines and. You know, just controlling the whole house. And, uh, which makes it weird, like that one scene where the doll, that you think it's the doll, comes and gives her the sandwich. And it, it's like, it's your favorite. <laughs> now you know it's this hulking man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, because the original was so, you know, more or less grounded in reality, there's nowhere to go but supernatural. But at that point, like, what is the point? Yeah, or you just keep it in reality. And like I said, you just make like a slasher movie of Brahms. Yeah. It's just But that's sounds like not what they're doing. I just don't see this being uh good. I don't either. <laughs> like like in any way. No, I don't I don't see anything I like her. Yeah. And I don't trust Katie Holmes. Yeah, she was married to Tom Cruise. Yeah. And now she's with Jamie Foxx. I don't trust him either. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's the... That's a weird couple, right? That That is a weird couple. Like, I mean, I heard Tom uh, Tom Tom Holmes. <laughs> it was Tom Holmes. <laughs> I don't know. Heard Tom Cruise was weird, too, I guess. But... Oh, he took her name? <laughs> that's how it works in Scientology. Didn't you know that? Um. Anyway. He's playing... Uh, uh, Jamie Foxx, he's in this new Robin, ha- Robin Hood movie. Did you get the trailer with Suspiria? For Robin Hood? Yeah. No. It's got Taron Edgerton, who is like the main character in Kingsman. Um, you, you never seen Kingsman, have you? No, but I know who you're talking about. Okay. He's playing Robin Hood. 
but it's got uh it's it's not like um you know like the typical stuff you've seen like uh it it, it looks like a um Oh fuck! What's his name? Guy Guy Ritchie movie. Interesting. Yeah, it's very action oriented. Um, yeah. No, I got the trailer. That shitty trailer for fucking La Llorona again. Oh god, it was so bad. You know, my wife. Uh, my had, wife. My wife has much more of a tolerance for <laughs> bad movies than I do. <laughs> but so we were in the theater, and that trailer started up. And I'm like, oh, my God, this looks so bad. And, you know, she just kind of rolls her eyes just thinking I'm being just, you know. Uh, cynical. Cynical, yeah. Or being uh, a, a gatekeeper, as a lot of people like to uh, yeah. term a lot of people use like to use. Um, but then the trailer plays and she, like, leans over. She's like, I thought you were just being, uh, you know, overcritical, but. That actually does look really bad. I'm like, see? I remember when I saw it before Halloween, this group of women in front of me, they were like, oh, that looks so bad. I'll see it. What? Yeah. I was like, don't encourage them. <laughs> That's like, they don't understand. Like, if you see it as a goof or just to see it, if you go to see it just to see how bad it is, they don't see that. They see the the it, money you paid them. Even if you go see it and then give it a one star review on every website in the world. They don't see that. No, they see, hey, we got millions of dollars. And made a million dollars. <laughs> anyway. That's all they care about. And that's why they make sequels to movies like The Boy. Yeah. Getting back on topic. Isn't that is it Universal? Is that who made it? It's somebody Some stupid. fucking assholes. <laughs> anyway. Want to talk about something else now? I definitely do. <laughs> it was a zombie jamboree. In a New York cemetery. It was a zombie jamboree. Took place in a New York cemetery. Zombies from all parts of the island. Some of them was a great Calypsonians. Although the season was carnival, Okay. So you may all recall that uh, George Romero's dead. Yeah. <laughs> um he died after a battle with pneumonia, which was probably cancer, right? You think? I mean, he smoked like a chimney. And, you know, like, I th- I don't know for sure, but I think when a lot of people have, like, lung cancer, it's not typically the cancer itself that kills them. They get, like, lung disease. or like um, And they just don't have the uh, the means to fight it off. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I mean, I'm not... A doctor, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. It says right here, cause of death, lung cancer. Oh, well, there we go. Um. Anyway. Brief but aggressive battle with lung cancer. Yeah, because he was supposed to be at Crypticon. Mm-hmm. And very abruptly canceled, saying that he was not well enough to travel. And then it was just a couple months later he died, right? Yeah. He, he said, you know, I'm going to get better and I'm going to make it ne- out next year. And then, yeah, then he died. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So his legacy, Night of the Living Dead, which he did no favors for himself over the years, <laughs> um, is uh, apparently like there was rumors floating around since the nineteen, like since the seventies, that there was a sequel that had been written but never produced. Um, and you know, we went on. Obviously, there was the big split between him and John Russo, um, where he went on to make the the of the dead movies. 
uh, or uh, of the Living Dead movies. No, just of, of the of Dead. The dead. Movie, or, yeah. Dawn okay. of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Thank you. Of the Dead movies, and then Russo and made the of the Living Dead movies. Um, and uh, But so there's this direct sequel of Night of the Living Dead that never got made. Well, apparently that uh, that work has been rediscovered, and now it's being brought to you by the same production crew that created the original. Now, I don't think there's any mention of Russo, even Russo being involved, right? I mean, they didn't get into a lot of specifics, so I don't know if he's just going to kind of get his name put on it as, you know, original screenplay by right. or, you know, based on whatever. Because, I mean, he wrote the original. Yeah, him and Romero together. I mean, did he write this one? I, I mean, it's apparently it's the, a script that's been around since the 70s. Right. So I'm assuming that him and Romero wrote it. Okay. But, I mean, obviously, you know, Romero. It says the original writers and producers. Right. So, I mean, obviously, Romero's not involved. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any mention of his, like any of his kin being involved. By uh, the way, Cameron. Cameron Cam- Romero. What, what were the names we tr- thought? <laughs> Every other C name in the world. <laughs> All the other ones like except Corey, that one. Cody, Casey. <laughs> That's the one we settled on, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, let's. This is from a. <clears throat> this was uh, from a press. Well, I don't know if it was a press release, but it was. <laughs> it was too exclusively to bloody disgusting. Right. Uh, Night of the Living Dead's place on Mount Rushmore of horror films is known by most horror fans and people all over the world. But unknown to most is that the nineteen seventy in the nineteen seventies, the original writers, writers and producers of the Night of the Living Dead penned uh, a sequel to their masterpiece, a sequel that will the sequel that inexplicably has gone unproduced for over forty years until now. Living Dead Media has brushed away the dirt from this amazing follow-up. Uh, to a classic brought together and, and brought together a team to produce the new film. A great team. Yeah, did we even know who's on this great team? Nope. Didn't think so. Um, anyway, uh, the plan is to produce and release Night of the Living Dead Part 2 in 2019. So, I mean, this is going to basically Halloween all over the place. Yeah, Just undo every Return of the Living Dead sequel, or yeah, the original and the sequels, um, all the of the dead movies. Uh, I mean, theoretically, unless it takes place in like the seventies, mm-hmm. like in between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. I mean, but maybe. I, you can't do you can't you can't make a sequel that's going to take place in between or like after Night of the Living Dead that somehow keeps. Dawn of the Dead and Return of the Living Dead is canon. No. There's no way you can do that. But, I mean, that that whole thing is so difficult to figure out anyway, if you even try. It's, it's like, you, they can't both be canon. No. It just doesn't jibe. Um, I just can't believe it, after so many years, that, not, that they never came back together to do this. To, yeah. I mean, to, to do this or do something together. It's like, do they really have a grudge that went that deep? Apparently, that's sad. Yeah, because I don't. I mean, Bruce was not even really involved in the of the Living Dead uh, series anymore. Not that I know of. I mean, he, 
I guess it's not really going anymore, but it's, you know, he, he did the first one. I think he, what, produced the second one, and that was kind of like the, the extent of his involvement. Sounds about right. Um, anyway. Neat. How you feel about this? Trepidatious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not, I've seen both sides of the coins yeah. from people on, online, people who are just like, oh my God, this is great. This is going to be fantastic. And then I've seen people just be like, oh, please, can we not? Yeah. And I'm kind of in the middle. Like, uh, it could be cool. You know, it's the, it's the original writers, original producers. So it, you know, has a chance to, to have that same kind of feel and stuff, but at the same time, it's all going to depend on who they get to direct it mm-hmm. and you know, who's going to be in it. And so I don't know. I'm kind of, uh, I'm in wait and see mode, you know, just because you have the original writers and, and producers and whatever attached to a project doesn't mean it's necessarily a good idea. Take the boy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go, go back. We'll jump back on that ship. Uh, it's just like you've built this legacy. Um, even, even if you just take Romero's work alone, he, he did Night of the Living Dead, then he did six more dead films. Um, no, five more, sorry. Um, and uh, he built this legacy around the original film that didn't involve this sequel. And so, you know, take like Halloween, which undid all of its sequels by making this direct sequel to the first one. And that's essentially what's happening here. Um, but a lot of the Halloween movies sucked. So <laughs> people aren't really missing that legacy. But at the same time, like, Dawn of the Dead is not a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead. It's, you know, a different area, different characters. Sure. But, I mean, it, it follows the same... Um, Timeline. Backstory. Same universe. Sure, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. This could be good it could also be bad um and i guess won't really know until we see how it goes yeah so anyway cool dudes night of the comet night of the comet night of the comet night of the comet What's happening to me? I don't know what to do. My eyes are caving in like the craters on the moon. So, moving from sequels to remakes. Before we move into this, I want you to apologize. For? For making me sound like a fool on the last episode. No, not last episode, the episode four. I, I posted a comment on our website. But yes, when you said Night of the Creeps, my mind went to Night of the Demons. And I was like, Tom Atkins is not in fucking Night of the Demons. But you were saying Night you of the idiot. Comet, too. Because I thought you were, I don't know. Made me sound like a fool. We were both just all confused. I wasn't confused. <laughs> I but I confused you, so I made you confused. Uh, Brought you down to my level. <laughs> so you're a master of confusion. Yes, like Phil Collins. <laughs> Speaking of Night of the Comet, that's being remade over at Orion. The company behind Home Alone and what? others. Did Orion do Home Alone? I swear I remember the like the O and then it goes, and it says Orion. <laughs> is that how it goes? <laughs> yeah. That's what their logo is. Why do I think it? Why do I feel like it's like, um, like touch? No, it's touch. It's touchstone, isn't it? Shut up. No, it's New Line. 
because I, I, I don't know. I, just, I can think of how all the logos look <laughs> on screen. I'm like, it could be that one, yeah. I want to say it's Touchstone, but I, I could be wrong. More like touch bone. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Anyways, Orion, who they're making of some shitty movies right Orion. now. Orion. They're they're making that stupid uh, stupid fucking child's play remake. Yeah. You know, Orion went tits up, like back in like the mid nineties, and then they were gone for years, and then suddenly came back. I don't know what happened, but now they're back in our lives. They just found some money. Yes. They cashed in their change. <laughs> uh, well, they're also going to be remaking Night of the Comet. Uh, they have pen, They have uh, signed Roxanne Benjamin, who wrote and directed segments of both XX and Southbound and is in pr- post-production on her first feature. Uh, she has signed on to write the script. I don't know why they're not just giving Letting her direct, too. I don't know. But uh, for those of you who don't know Night of the Comet, the original followed two sisters facing off against cannibal zombies after a comet wipes out most of life on Earth. One of them is, uh, you know, from Chopping Mall. Yep. Her. Kelly Maroney. That's the one. Uh, the film and its female protagonists hit home with genre fans, including Joss Whedon, who credited it as one of the inspirations for Buffy Summers. Really? I did not know that. I didn't either. And I don't see it either. Uh, not really, no. I mean... I mean, different genres, though. Like, Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm getting, having a hard time getting over the whole vampire hunter thing. Right. Or vampire slayer thing. Um, I don't know. Uh, the original, which was 1984, I want to say. Oh, uh, Probably in there somewhere. Nineteen eighty-four. Boom, nailed it. Um, it was kind of comedy. Yeah, it was, it was goofy. Yeah, apparently the, the remake, according to Deadline, is going to skew horror sci-fi. Okay. So, Tom Atkins is probably not going to be in it <laughs> again. He's not going to reprise his role. <laughs> He's still not going to be in it. <laughs> What if he is? What if he's in the remake? I'd be so mad. I'm going to be like, yep, fucking profit over here. <laughs> See, I told, fucking told you Tom Atkins was not in the comment. Uh, I mean, whatever. It's just, it's another movie. It's just like, why? Why, why are you remaking that? Yeah, it's, it's, well, I mean, cult movies are kind of like the ones that you should be remaking, I think. I mean, I guess, but I don't know that this one's popular enough to warrant a remake you don't think i mean i know that like i mean you described it it's a cult film i mean it's it's got a cult following it's not like a when you have a film that has a cult following those people are so ride or die about it that they they don't want a remake made that's true and so i don't know that this is really a movie that's going to appeal to the masses even if you make a remake um so, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's whatever. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, it, it. It's one of those kind of background noise movies for me. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, it's it's dumb fun. Sure. Um, it's not anything fantastic. I mean, apparently to some people it's groundbreaking, but 
I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Me neither. But yeah, to each their own, I guess. <laughs> like I said, I think I think they should just let Roxanne Benjamin direct. I don't understand why they wouldn't. Yeah, like if she, I mean, unless she doesn't if she's want writing to. the thing. You... Yeah, I don't. I don't know, but I get the impression she's eager for work. Looking at her Twitter account. Oh yeah, yeah. She had plenty to say about Mister Blum. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, without getting into that whole thing again, uh, she is one of the outstanding female directors out there that should be like, like companies should be beating down her door, mm-hmm. getting them to direct her, uh, direct their stuff. And just, I don't understand why it's not happening. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, so night of the comet. Get hyped, guys. Get get ready for that night of the comet. And that comet. Cause I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Yeah, I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Listen to Iron Maiden, baby. Wait. Okay. I don't understand this. What? What Net- don't you understand? Netflix Netflix is uh, bringing forth a new show, right? A show? Yeah. Um, based on a graphic novel. Oh, it's based on a graphic novel. Okay. So, it's called Daybreak, and it's described as a post-apocalyptic high school drama. <laughs> now, when I think of... The apocalypse and a post-apocalyptic world. Something that I don't really envision going on is high school. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> I figure people are probably you know scavenging and you know trying like, to survive, yeah, fighting for their <laughs> lives. Probably not going to school. Uh, but in this show, uh, Daybreak will follow Josh, um, played by Colin Ford. A uh, 17-year-old high school outcast who goes searching for his missing girlfriend, Sam, in a post-apocalyptic Glendale, California. Glendale. <laughs> um, I like how Sabrina takes place in Greendale. So I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, clearly it shares a cinematic universe with community. Was that in Greendale? Yep. Oh. That was the name of the school. It was Greendale Community College. It's been so long since I've watched The Greendale that. Human Beings. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that, like, you know, in this Archie comics world, there's Riverdale and Greendale, and they're, like, neighboring towns. It's like, it's just all these towns in this... Just a guy named Dale named them all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do like... I mean, I don't know if you've gotten far enough into Sabrina to have caught it, but they've mentioned Riverdale a handful of times. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Riverdale's on CW... Sabrina's on, and I'm getting on a tangent, uh, Sabrina's on Netflix, but they're both produced by the same team, like same people that do Riverdale do Sabrina. And you can kind of tell stylistically, yeah. um, but it makes me wonder if there'd ever be a crossover. I think they denied it, but I don't believe them. It'd be interesting. I mean, they'd have to introduce, I haven't watched Riverdale, so I don't really know exactly what's going on there. But uh, they'd have to introduce, like, magic and shit into uh, Riverdale for that to make sense, I guess. Yeah. 
It's kind of like when they first brought Thor into the Avengers. Just kind of ch- took everything that was like grounded, like Iron Man, and added like magic. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh. See, he's joined on his quest. This is the. This is Josh, by the way. Uh, he's joined on his quest by high school bully turned pa- pacifist samurai Wesley. <laughs> pacifist samurai high school student. <laughs> and 12-year-old pyromaniac named Angelica. Uh, the world is also populated by Mad, Mad Max-esque bands of marauders, including cheerleaders who have become Amazon warriors <laughs> and evil jocks and zombie-like beings known as ghoulies. The more I read of this, the more interesting. Yeah, I'm into it. That I am. <laughs> this sounds fucking bonkers. Although ghoulies are like little toady guys, they're not. <laughs> uh, Matthew Broderick will play Burr, uh, a cheer, a cheerful, upbeat president or principal of Glendale High. Principal Burr knows the name of every kid in school and their favorite character to play in Overwatch. <laughs> in a hashtag-filled world of Me Too and Black Lives Matter and Times Up. Burr is genuinely trying to be part of the solution. A good guy, an advocate, and an ally for all. But let's face it, kids can be monsters. And how. Matthew Broderick's great. I love Matthew Broderick. He's so good. Even though he killed someone. No, wait. Is that him? What? Didn't he kill someone? He, like, ran someone over or something like that? That was Laura Bush. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I could have sworn he, like... <laughs> Tap into more than one person. <laughs> more people. More than one person's been run over by a celebrity. I'm sure of it. I could swear he like ran someone over when he was drunk or something like that. I don't know. I don't know that I've heard of that. But I mean Ferris Bueller. <laughs> He's awesome. He's also Cooter Burger from 30 Rock. <laughs> right. Did I ever tell you about my uh, Ferris Bueller sequel idea? Maybe. I think it could be pretty good. Oh, yeah, he killed two people. Is it two? Yeah. Yeah, man. In 1987. So, like, not long after Ferris Bueller. Yeah, he was 25. Harsh. He was with Jennifer Grey at the time. Weren't they <laughs> dating? Probably. She was, like, in the car, I mean. That's weird. It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, too. Was he drunk? Um. Doesn't say. Ah. Anyway, um, the series is based on Brian Ralph's graphic novel of the same name and is co-created by Aaron Eli Colliott and Rampage director Brad Payton. Rampage? Ugh. I never saw it. Me neither. <laughs> but it looked real bad. Did it? I thought so. I thought it just looked like a monster movie with The Rock, which I'm totally sold on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. So that's coming. Don't know when. I mean, you know, I probably wouldn't like go get Netflix for this. No. But I have it, so I'm going to watch it. I'm definitely watching I'm this. watching the shit out of this. I'm going to watch it so hard. Watch it all over the place. <laughs> I'm going to watch it on top of your mom. This doesn't make sense. I'm going to set my laptop on your mom and watch it. Oh, I thought you meant you were going to be like fucking my mom while you watch it. That's the impression I got. <laughs> no, dude. If I meant that, I would have said it. <laughs> I'm sorry your son has a 
dirty mind, Dawn. <laughs> she don't listen. Man. She doesn't listen. No. No. Oh. She doesn't podcast. She doesn't. She doesn't get podcasts. She, she thinks the Facebook is the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've been over this. <laughs> yeah. She thinks the, the the podcast ends with us saying, "Make sure you listen Wednesday." <laughs> Why would I listen Wednesday? I already listened to it now. Uh, Love you, Mom. Anyway. Uh, cool. I'm actually kind of pumped. For, or not pumped. That's 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 too much, but I'm very interested in watching this. Same. Neat. That's like two sames. Because <laughs> the sun don't rise and set. So, Tony, you watched Penny Dreadful, right? I did. Did you enjoy it? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Where, are you Are you hungry for more? <laughs> I mean, I'm not fiending for it, no. Well, let me whet your appetite. Because John Logan, creator, writer, and executive producer of the show, is continuing the show with a spinoff called Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Oh, my God. Is it going to continue? Oh, the- my God. Is they it going? Ate him and they're gonna eat me. <laughs> <laughs> Is it going to continue the same story? No. Oh. It's about a spirit, or it's considered a spiritual descendant of the Penny Dreadful story set in Victorian era London. That's nonsense. That's a dumb thing to say. <laughs> this one takes place in 1938, Los Angeles. That's like calling something a reimagining. Fuck you. <laughs> Or J.J. Uh, Abrams and his fucking blood relative of Cloverfield. Yeah, fuck movies. you. Fuck you too, Abrams. <laughs> uh, this one takes place in 1938 Los Angeles, a time and place deeply infused with Mexican-American folklore and social tension. So deep. Rooted in the conflict between characters connected to the deity Santa Muerte and others allied with the devil, Penny Dreadful City of Angels will explore an exciting mix of the supernatural and the combustible reality of that period, creating new occult myths and moral dilemmas with a genuine historical backdrop. Yeah. You like that? It's not bad. I feel like uh, the whole 1930s Los Angeles thing is getting a little well-worn. Who else has done it? Uh, I mean, I feel like the the first time it kind of became a thing was uh, probably uh, American Horror Story. Oh, yeah. I've, kind of since then, I feel like this noir thing that's based in L.A. has been just kind of a a recurring thing. I don't know. It's getting a little tired to me. I, I Honestly, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but, you know. All right. You know how it goes. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, Logan says that Penny Dreadful City of Angels will have a social consciousness and historical awareness that we chose not to explore in the Penny Dreadful London storylines. So they're going to get real political with it. Oh, that's fun. I love watching all of these shows that have political messages in them. Yeah, man. <clears throat> it's not like it's exhausting or anything. Uh, he continues, we will now be grappling with specific historical and real-world political, religious, social, and racial issues. In 1938, Los Angeles was facing some hard questions about its future and its soul. Our characters must do the same 
There are no easy answers. There are only powerful questions and arresting moral challenges. As always, in the world of Penny Dreadful, there are no heroes or villains in this world, only protagonists and antagonists. Okay. Complicated and conflicted characters living on the fulcrum of moral choice. Well, like a protagonist. Like a villain could be your protagonist. I suppose that's true. It's just like the main character that you follow. Antagonist is the opposite of that. He's the main character you don't follow? <laughs> yeah. No, protagonist is just your main character, whomever it may be. And then the antagonist is the one who... Antagonizes. And, I mean, yeah, I guess. <clears throat> uh, this is expected to start production next year. This is all very vague. Is it? It doesn't say anything about the, really about the story itself or like characters involved or anything. I mean, you, it, well, you've got rooted in the conflict between characters connected to the deity Santa Muerte and others allied with the devil. That's about it. Okay, so what? It's going to be like West Side Story, except it's going to be <laughs> Santa Muerte followers and Satanists? Yep. That means nothing. I mean, the thing about Penny Dreadful was it brought together all these literary t- characters into a shared world. I mean, where they actually interacted with each other. I mean, you had Victor Frankenstein and Dorian Gray and um, uh, bu- 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 others. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it was very, I mean... It was a monster story, basically. Like they're just they're vampires and werewolves and Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster. I mean, if you want to be a dick about it, <laughs> um, and uh, and I do, and I, I believe there were zombies at some point. Just like all these different monsters and, and you know, witches and shit like that <clears throat> that all kind of came together in this sh- shared story. And this seems like very different. It sounds more like ghost story-ish. Yeah. This sounds more like more to me like something that would be found in like a season of American Horror Story. Yeah, I could see that. So, I don't know. And the fact that it doesn't really talk about any specific characters or any particular person you might be following through the story, it makes me feel like they're like this is going to be a um like a story of the week type thing rather than following a single thread. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's it's very early in the game, and they're not even going to start production until next year. So maybe they don't have all those details worked out yet. But could yeah. be. That's the kind of stuff that's going to draw me in. What was the What was the original one? What channel? Showtime. I wonder if that's going to be the same. It doesn't say, does it? Yeah. Oh, it does. I think it's the first line in the story. Oh, I skipped it. <clears throat> anyway, I'd say I, I'm I'm interested, but I'm not sold yet. I I want to know more about it before I even think about wasting my time. Fair enough. Horror business. Hey, that's it. It's all done. From here, we have our two film reviews that we're going to start right now.
So, when I saw what movies we were doing this episode, I honestly didn't anticipate them having some a, a certain kind of s- sub-story. Or uh, not sub-story, but uh, kind of a same general message, I guess. In 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 uh, relation to what am I talking? I don't know. <laughs> they had they had a similar uh, theme theme sort of sort of theme, I guess. I don't know. Never mind. Whatever. Let's get into this more. Let's just after we talk about the movies. Let's maybe I'll understand start. more. All right. So Taylor, uh, which movie do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with Extremity. So Extremity is the latest from Dread Central Presents. Uh, it's directed by Anthony DeBlasi, who directed the very good Last Shift, mm-hmm. but also the very bad Most Likely to Die. So Did I see that? I don't know. Did you? I don't think so. It's not very good. Noted. It's like a like a bad 90s teen slasher wannabe. Terrible. Wait, is that the one with the where he's the the killer's wearing like a graduation, graduation gown? gown? Yeah, it looks stupid. Like, yeah. I haven't watched it, but I've, I've like the reason I haven't watched it is because it looks stupid. It, it is. It is it's noted. Stupid. Yeah. Did he do that more recently than last shift? I don't know. Okay. But yeah, so he directed this. Um, it's the story of Allison, who is. She's she's a big horror movie fan, first of all, but she's going to this extreme haunt called Perdition. And, you know, it's one of these things where you have to sign a waiver and they can do whatever they want to you. Think of McCamey Manor, uh, you know, where they can they can punch you in the face. They can rip your hair out. They can piss in your mouth. They can do whatever they want. They can stick 
things in your pee hole. They, they could, yeah, because you signed a waiver, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Don't sign away your life, guys. It's a bad idea. <clears throat> you know, I like haunted houses, but I don't get these. No, me neither. It's I don't like people touching me. I don't like it when people I know touch me and I don't like I, I don't give them permission to. So having a complete stranger do it is not okay. Yeah. And I don't like being punched and kicked and <laughs> Yeah. It's like why would I, why would I not only like sign up to do that but pay somebody to like Yeah, no shit, right? Yeah. That's that's madness. Well, Allison does not feel this way. She she wants to test her limits. And, you know, just be pushed to the ultimate boundaries of what she's capable of. And she feels this is the best way to do it against the best wishes of her psychiatrist. That's right, everyone. She is mentally unstable. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And you find this out right from the beginning because she's on a phone call with her girlfriend who is like, you're off your fucking meds. (laughs) And yeah, she is. (laughs) This wasn't like an insult. Like she's literally off her meds. And you find that out because she opens the car door and just dumps them all out. Yeah, she's on the phone with her and she says, "No, I have my pills right here." It's like and she like shakes them. Yeah, so you can so you can hear the peel, pills. It's like <laughs> the peels, the peels, <laughs> you know, the peels. Uh, and uh, yeah, but, then she just dumps them out the out the car door. It's like that could be a can of fucking uh, uh, Altoids. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So she heads in along with uh, this other guy, Zachary. And that's another thing. They both go in alone. I don't know if that's part of it. Like, you have to go in alone. But I feel like if I was going to do one of these extreme haunts, I would want someone I know there with me. Sure. But, I mean, like, if you were to go do one, I wouldn't do it with you. So (laughs) you'd be going alone. (laughs) Same. (laughs) But so they go in and, you know, they sign a waiver. And then Allison has to dig into a toilet full of shit, I assume. It's some kind of icky brown water. <laughs> it's icky doo-doo brown water. And she's like, oh, it's real. And It's real poopy. This scene made me want to vomit all over your head, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it was nasty. It was really fucking gross. Like her and Zachary are both just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and then I'm at home just going, uh. <laughs> you know, you can go into a bathroom that smells like shit, you could probably even accidentally walk into like a stall that has a bunch of shit in it and be fine. Just like, eh. but, <laughs> but the idea of reaching into it, then yeah, it's like, eh. yeah, barehanded. Uh, uh. <laughs> 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 Uncle Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but inside she finds these fucking rompers that they have to wear. No, they they were the the oh they were the bags. Black, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, they had to put over their their heads. It was kind of they were really simple, but they kind of looked cool. Yeah, they, they did. Had kind of like neon paint on them and stuff. Yeah, but then these people in ski masks rush in and grab them, and immediately Zachary's like, "What are you doing? Get the fuck off me! Don't touch me!" And I'm like, "You you knew what this was? Yeah, like, you, come on, bro. Yeah, you had to know this was gonna happen. Yeah, like if you're at this extreme hunt and someone says, "Put this bag over your head." I'm immediately going, someone's going to grab me as soon as I put this on my head. Yep. But so, yeah. It's like, what did they think was going to happen? Fucking Willy Wonka was going to open the door. <laughs> like, come with me, you children. Come with me and you'll be. Yeah. Or, you know, singing that song. Yeah. Sure. But so, yeah, these people grab them and they throw them in the back of a van. 
take him to a secondary location. There's one thing I learned from Sergeant Bittenbinder. It's you never go to a secondary <laughs> location. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you thought we weren't going to have a Mulaney <laughs> reference? Did you forget what show you're listening to? <laughs> It's like, hey, John, you want to go to the after party? Oh, you're not getting me to a secondary location. (laughs) (laughs) Go get it. Street smarts. (laughs) 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 They take him to the secondary location. And uh, is this where they have to put on the rompers? Um, They have to do that right away. Let's let's just say yes. Okay. (laughs) So this voice comes on the speaker and is like, you know, or first the the woman in the skull mask is like, take off your fucking clothes. And so they strip down to their underwear. And then this voice comes on the speaker is like, take off everything. Oh, God. (laughs) Take it off slowly. (laughs) No, no, do it. Do it sexy. (laughs) If it's not sexy, you don't eat. (laughs) It's all about the hips and nips. (laughs) But so they strip down completely naked. This girl gives them these rompers that they have to wear. Have you seen a man wear, I mean, aside from this, have you seen a man wear a romper? Just in that Geico commercial. Geico commercial. It's like, this is a commercial for people who like rompers. And it's all these guys wearing rompers, except for one guy in a suit. And they're like, oh, so-and-so forgot it was casual Friday. (laughs) I don't think I've seen that. Just, I want to make note that men in rompers look fucking ridiculous. I think women in rompers look ridiculous. Well, sure, they look like giant children, but um, just men in rompers—they look awful. Yeah, and usually. Like, there's no way to have a good romper because it's always going to hug your nuts. So people are just going to be looking at your junk, and nobody wants that. Yeah, that's it. Okay, <laughs> that's your public service <laughs> announcement. So then they take him to this hallway, and uh, there's a, a dog, as Doberman, there. And Zach starts freaking out. He's like, you said there wouldn't be dogs. And they're like, yeah, we fucking lied, idiot. Don't you know where you are? (laughs) Again? How are you not getting this? (laughs) But so then they have to run from this dog. And, uh, you know, the whole movie is just a lot of, like, haunted house shit, basically. Yeah. And, uh, God, I don't even know how to talk about this movie. I mean, a lot of it is just uh, really... Because I don't want to give anything away because it's like sure. a brand new movie. I mean, it's really intense stuff, um, like to the point where, I mean, you, given that you're watching a horror movie, you feel like watching this at any point, you might find out, hey, all this is real and it's not really just an extreme haunt and these people are really trying to kill these folks. That's what I kept waiting for. Yeah. I was like, where are the stakes? Mm-hmm. Like... Yes, if I was in this situation, I would be scared. But I'm watching people take part in a extreme haunt. I could watch a documentary and see real people do this for real. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I kept feeling like, where? What are the stakes here? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and there's like this. It's hard to call them a crew. It's just two people, but like these Japanese people there, filming uh, just a like a story about this haunt mm-hmm. about perdition. Um, so it's like this really bubbly Japanese girl and her cameraman. Um, and they're just like, that's, that's the 
fucked up thing is like when they first get to this secondary location, <laughs> um, they like unload them out of the truck and they still got these pillowcases over their head and they're le- leading them into the building, like yelling at them, like, yo, get on, move your ass and that kind of shit. And then right from the get go, these, yeah, as soon as they open the van doors, this Japanese girl comes running out just in her like almost shrieky voice, just speaking Japanese, like at rapid fire pace. It's like, how fucking str- like I didn't know what was going on right away. I thought it was just supposed to like disorient them. That's I thought it was part of the part of the haunt because it was disorienting me. It's like yeah. I can't think of anything more stressful because you've got her speaking Japanese to them, you've got the other two people screaming at them, uh-huh. plus these red and blue lights flashing. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like God damn it, how stressful must that be? Like because that must be a fucking nightmare having somebody like practically yelling at you in a in a foreign language. <laughs> yeah. And it like especially since you don't know where you are, mm-hmm. you're you can't see anything. You've got this bag over your head. Yeah. So yeah, I mean and then I guess Oh, I guess before they go before they get put in the rompers, they're led into these separate rooms where the person credited as the red skull is like saying, okay, what scares you? It's like, well, that's kind of obvious. Aren't you supposed to figure that out? Oh, right. So there's that. Um, yeah, it, she says, you know, like, oh, I'm claustrophobic. And he's like, no, no, not like those kind of fears. He's like, what's, what's holding you back? What stops you from being the best you that you can be? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, when you come to find out that um, Allison was abused as a child, uh, her mother died of cancer. <clears throat> well, her mother was diagnosed with cancer and then subsequently took her own life. Mm-hmm. So her childhood was not good. Yeah. And so she's, you know, dealing with that pain. That's why she goes and sees the psychiatrist. That's why she's on the meds. And so she she feels that this is going to be therapeutic for her, that if she can, you know, face her ultimate fears and overcome them, then she'll just kind of, you know, everything else will look petty in comparison yeah and there's a lot of uh you know coming from anthony de blasi who's made a career off of uh horror movies i kind of was almost insulted by the implication that uh people only people who are fucked up or have had some kind of scarring life circumstance uh are interested in horror movies She's, you know, it's a different kid. It it did seem, um, yeah, like those scenes kind of seemed so out of place in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, there's two different times. One where she's with her girlfriend and she's watching this horror movie that has Felissa Rose and the greasy strangler in it. Yeah. I, I <laughs> thought that was going to be like more of a thing. Yeah. Just wasn't. Um, but I think you saw the greasy strangler get his dick cut off look like. I didn't know by Felissa Rose and, and a different and another actress. And, you know, her girlfriend starts telling her that, you know, this, this shit is sick. This, how can you watch this? This is just torture and it's, you know, unhealthy to watch. Mm-hmm. And then there's another scene where she's talking to her psychiatrist and her psychiatrist tells her, you know, these movies are just, they're just like pornography. They're graphic and they're death for sale. She calls it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I take umbrage with that. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, it was so weird to see, in a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe it was just uh, something that 
maybe it was just a message that he was trying to convey. I don't know, but um, it wasn't explicit, I guess. So it was just hard. It was hard to tell. It's like, well, I mean, are you trying to make horror fans feel bad? Like there's something wrong with them? Yeah. Or is it like a somewhat misguided attempt at defending horror? Yeah. Because like I said, I mean, if that's what he was trying to do, it wasn't really explicit. Yeah, I didn't really get that then. Um, and uh, it was kind of like um, Bloodfest in that respect to where it's just like there's a constant message that people who like horror fans, there's like something wrong with them. Yeah. I mean, that was done to that was done differently, I guess, where it was a little more obvious that 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 was like uh that was something that tried to be implied is like, oh, well, outsiders don't really get it. That kind of thing wasn't really conveyed in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it basically implied that the only reason Amanda? Uh, Allison. Allison um, was into horror was because she had some fucked up childhood. Yeah. And it's just like, my childhood was, my childhood was about as normal as you can get. And I love horror, so. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, anyway. But- <clears throat> yeah, so there's one point where uh, Zachary and Allison get taken into this room by this guy, and he doesn't have a mask or anything. He's like the only guy that is just, he doesn't have a mask, and he, you know, acts completely normal. But he takes him into this room, and he gets him down on their knees, and he's like, what do you want from us? Mm-hmm. And they kind of, you know, give him some wishy-washy answers, and he's like, no, that's bullshit. Like, what do you want from us? And Allison's like, I want you to push me to my limits. And so he starts fucking waterboarding. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, all right, well, let's take this back to basics. <laughs> and uh, she starts screaming about, like, you're drowning me, you're drowning me. And so he goes, all right, well, if you want to be drowned, then we're going to fucking drown you. And they put her in this giant tank with a big cage over the top. And, like, pretty much her face can come out of the water. And that's, mm-hmm. that's about as far as she can get. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of intense shit going on in this. For um, sure. And so I guess what I was trying to say at the beginning was that there was a very strong um, uh, subtext of uh, abuse, I guess, like, and, you know, being an abuse uh, abuse victim um, that was subtle at times, but it seemed like the the longer it went on, the more heavy handed it got. And a little in this one especially yeah yeah um and a little less a little less uh subtle yeah i was gonna say creative but oh, yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> um but uh you know th- like there's a point where you've like the the two the two japanese document documentarians um they're just like okay well this is fucked up we should just leave or like the her, her cameraman it's like this is just fucked up. We should just leave. It's like, in fact, I'm going to leave. The only the only reason I took this job was so you, uh, so you let me fuck you. And it's fact. In fact, if you if I, it's like the only re, re, God damn it. The only way I'm going to stay right now is if you suck my dick. And it's like okay, I see what you're doing now. <laughs> um, Toxic masculinity and all that. Yeah, and that's just a, a constant source of. Uh, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a, a constant uh, throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, she'll she'll go through some kind of event within the haunt, and then she'll kind of flash back to something that happened with her father. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that 
and then there's like different dream sequences that just kind of come out of nowhere. And you're just like, oh, I guess is this a dream now? Because we're in a different place and she's wearing something different and everything's different. Yeah. And I mean, there, I feel like it was trying to um, seem empowering. Uh, but basically it made uh, victims of abuse seem crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't really, um, it didn't really do anything to counteract that. And so you're just like, for me at least, at the end of the movie, I'm just thinking, okay, so this woman was uh, attacked and abused by her father as a child. She had a fucked up childhood that scarred her into her adulthood, made her literally crazy. And now, it, I mean, I'm trying not to give away the ending, obviously, but it's like, so her, she's had like this mental break that, you know, we're supposed to believe that, or basically what you're telling us is that she is beyond repair and now she's just crazy. I mean, did, did you get that? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, like, like we said, you know, she went off her meds and she just kind of gave up on her mental health mm-hmm. and it was just like, if I'm crazy, I'm going to be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean this, you know, so this house is very, is, is almost entirely run by men um, with the exception of, well, I guess there were like three women involved, but they didn't seem to have as prominent roles as the others. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of them was kind of like the host, I guess she was the one that led Allison into the room. Mm hmm. Um, and then there was the one in the peep show. Yeah. That was a weird scene. It was weird. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, won't get into it, obviously, but that was weird, wild stuff. <laughs> yes, it was. Why did sec- There's a, like a little girl keeps coming up to the window, staring at us, and then she just knocked on the glass. She keeps coming. It's like the third or fourth time. Control your fucking kids. Anyway. Um, Not yeah. super gory until the end. No. Which but, I kept waiting for. Yeah. But but again, like I was saying, like so much of the movie is just like watching someone go through an extreme haunt. Right. And so, you you know, you, you don't really expect it in, mm-hmm. at those moments. But then when it does come, the, the effects are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even... Uh, well, no, I guess that's not true. I was going to say even Last Shift is not particularly gory, but there's a fair amount throughout the movie, I guess, now I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like you said, like not super gory, even though that's kind of what I was anticipating, but that was when I thought, it's like, okay, well, this is going to be... You know, like it takes place in Extreme Haunt, but then they're going to find out. It's like, oh, no, these people are actually trying to kill us. Right. But that part obviously never comes. Um, and uh, it's just kind of a disappointment. And, you know, the guy, the Red Skull guy, at one point he does take off his mask and, like, you know, he gives this big monologue about why he does what he does. Yeah. But he kind of goes back and forth because at times he seems like, you know, he wants this to be a therapeutic thing for people and he wants it to be 
you know, cleansing and give them closure for stuff. And other times he's just like, I need fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a weird shift in the movie. It's where he's, you know, you kind of see him as like this gatekeeper almost, but then he takes off his mask and becomes more human and you just kind of find out his life is kind of pathetic. Yeah. It's kind of it almost, I feel like it almost takes the wind out of the movie sales a little bit. I mean, I, I know little, I was really surprised when he unmasked. I was like, wait, why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, it's like I was looking at the IMDb page for this, and it's like you know, see the guy in the credits as uh, the Red Skull slash Bob. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, so it's like, okay, well, clearly he takes off his mask at some point. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I wish we could talk more about the end. Like I said, we don't want to give anything away. Yeah, I feel like I probably accidentally gave away too much anyway. Yeah, possibly. You can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the messages, I feel, are very heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. You know, like we said, there's a, a strong message of both mental illness and abuse and I guess how they kind of relate to each other. Um, yeah, and not so much just abuse in general, but like particularly abuse against women. Yeah, and right. children. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, which I you know I I kind of applauded that at times, but other times it's just like, eh, I don't think you're doing this right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, at some points it was just like it just felt icky. It was like, do you need to go this far with the showing? stuff and yeah yeah there's an interesting twist at the end where you kind of there's like a like a last little bit of knowledge that you find out about allison's childhood yeah that was just i mean i guess guess it wasn't too much of a shock but i just i didn't really see it coming well it didn't really (laughs) add anything no i mean aside from just making things more fucked up yeah Anyway, and like, it's also weird because as you're watching these people going through these extreme events and like when a horrible thing does happen, then it kind of turns around and it's usually, you know, through this Japanese film crew interviewing people backstage and they're like explaining how things are done. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, oh, so the most extreme thing I've seen so far in the movie, it wasn't actually even real. Right. Yeah. That's kind of when it, when you really find out it's like okay well this isn't going to be what i was hoping for yeah wasn't quite what i expected um it's not bad yeah but it's not you know anything fantastic it's not anything game changing um yeah i don't know it's fine yeah i I don't know that i would strongly recommend it to anyone i would say you know if if it's on your list, it's something you want to see, go for it. But I'm, I, you know, again, I wouldn't strongly recommend it. I wouldn't go out of my way to tell somebody to go see it. Yeah. I could see this be ch- being triggering. For sure. Yeah. Um, not just because of the things that are portrayed, but because of the way they're portrayed, um, which triggering in that it could cause like some potentially some maybe flashbacks or something, mm-hmm. um, but also just. Uh, anger because like I said at, at times the the way that this that these things are conveyed seem a little clunky 
to me. Yeah. And uh, just clumsy, like, uh, I don't want to go as far as say ignorant, just not handled as delicately the way, way they should have been. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'm going to give this a five. Yeah. Yeah. Five. I think, you know, kind of right down the middle. It's, you know, it's a good looking movie for sure. Mm-hmm. And all of the stuff in the haunt is really cool. Yeah. But again, it's, you know, these haunts and shit are not something I would want to go through. I don't understand the appeal of them. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But the visuals all. are cool. So yeah, that's a five. Big old fiver. Five spot. <laughs> I got five on it. Big old nickel. Shiny little, shiny little nickel. Yep. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop. Please. <laughs> All right. Up next, brand new movie. Very hard to locate, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, I thought this was going to be in, like, theaters everywhere. Yeah, me too. But no. Just, like, what, two theaters in our area? Three. Three, three theaters? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, brand new movie from Luca Guadagnino. Yep. <laughs> We're going with that. Uh, the remake of Suspiria. At the beginning, she gave me things. Perfect balance. Perfect sleep. Oh, she wants to get inside of me. I can feel her. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. The damn blank's incredible. One, two, three. When she transmits her work, you have to decide what is it you want to be for this company. There's more in that building than what you can see, Doctor. Dangerous people. Three mothers, three God, three devil. Mother Tenebrarum, Mother Lacrimarum, and Mother Suspiriorum. Darkness, tears, <laughs> and sighs. Some kind of deal with them. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. It's all a mess. The one out there.
So I'm going to break protocol here and just say right off the bat, what did you think of this, Taylor? Uh, I thought it had good parts, but it was really too fucking long. Yeah. I thought it was too long uh, and really full of itself and kind of ridiculous, especially at the end. Yep. Yeah. End did not go where I expected. I will tell you right now, the end is completely different from the original. Oh, pretty much the whole story is. Well, yeah, most of it for sure. But, like, the end is not even close. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Um, okay, so this movie, obviously a sort of a remake of uh, Dario Gento's original from... 1977. Is it from 77? Okay. Um, Sorry, centers around Susie, who's an American Mennonite uh, who has broken away from her family uh, to come to Germany and uh, join uh, the Marcos Dad's Academy. Now, this takes place in the mid-70s or mid to late 70s. Um, so the Berlin Wall is still up. Um, and that doesn't play as big of a part as you'd think. No, not at all. I mean, there's a certain segment, a certain element to the story that kind of involves it, but it's it's really, like, it's kind of irrelevant almost. So can you explain to me, like, the original is, it's called the Tans Dance Academy. And this one, the building says Tans on it. Mm-hmm. But it's the Marcos Dance Academy? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no answer. It's like they just threw Tans on the side of the wall for fan service. That's that's but probably what it was. But it's like, but why? Why is it there? Why does it say that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was you know the reference to the three mothers, which was it was a concept um, that it, there was three films from Argento, including the original Suspiria. Uh, that was the Three Mothers trilogy. That was never really explicitly like mentioned in any of the movies. Uh, you know, and none of the movies were. Uh, directly tied to each other but it was just considered a, a three mothers trilogy kind of like the cornetto trilogy sure like they all featured cornetto in them but it wasn't part of the story yeah and you know and so this this made a different um this took a different tie and like actually directly involved the concept of the three mothers mm-hmm. uh and i thought that was interesting because there was Mother Suspirion, and uh, I, f- I forget the 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 third one, but there's Mother Suspirion and Mother uh, Tenebre or Ten. I'm sorry, I'm trying to find it. Yeah, I don't see it anywhere. Whatever, doesn't matter. It's it's not super important anyway. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of is, I guess, but to know the names, it's not really important. Anyway, um, so Susie comes to uh, the Marcos Dance Academy. Um, she has no formal training, which kind of makes her sort of an outcast because all the other women at the academy have all been, you know, they're all trained dancers. They were all uh, groomed and, you know, 
exclusively chosen to to be part of the academy and she just kind of wanders in and she kind of has this impromptu addition she's played by dakota johnson by the way from 50 shades of fuck (laughs) 50 shades of jizz i don't like her no no neither does my girlfriend i don't really know what it is aside from her i don't think she's a good actress i don't really have an opinion of her I, I I don't dislike her, but I don't think she's anything. I don't think she's a good actress at all. And I don't know why anybody would cast her in a lead. <laughs> um, uh, but she she just blows away all the like the 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 matrons at this place. Um I mean the, I don't really know what their purpose is at the school. Because the only one who actually teaches Dance seems to be Madame Blanc, yeah. who's played by Tilda Swinton. Um, and aside from just being like these house moms, I'm not really sure what what purpose. That's more or less, yeah, all well, they are. Um, it's not like they're like, because it's not like you have you know different classes or anything that's each to teach by a different woman. You know, there's just the one class. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so she just blows everyone away, um, including Madame Blanc. Um, and she's uh, allowed in because of the recent departure of another girl, Patricia, who is very briefly played by uh, Chloe Grace Moritz. And, you know, I saw her in the credits and she was displayed as prominently as like um, Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson. And I wanted to call her Scarlet for some reason. Um, Dakota Johnson. Scarlet. Jo- <laughs> what? <laughs> You haven't heard that? It's a Hannibal Burris bit where he talks about when he met Scarlett Johansson at a bar. <laughs> he was like, I think I ruined my shot with her, though, because every time I saw her for the rest of the night, I would go, Scarlett. What the fuck? Because he was drunk out of his mind. <laughs> sure. Um, and uh, anyway, so she, and I guess I skipped the beginning part, which. So I mean, it's kind of inconsequential. Really? really? I mean, right? So there's a this uh the psychologist um named Dr. Klemper, who's also played by Tilda Swinton. Yeah, but credited as something else. Yeah, the, Lutz Ebersdorf. The entire time I'm watching that the entire time I'm watching the movie, I'm like, that's a woman wearing makeup. And I think the it's... voice is so obviously a woman's voice. Yeah. Um I mean like right off the bat you can say, Okay, well that's someone wearing old man makeup. And then you think, and then you start picking up. It's like, okay, well, that's a woman. And then, Not a woman. <laughs> and the more you watch it, it's like, or at least for me, the more I watch it, I'm like, that's Tilda Swinton. I already knew. Oh, you knew going into it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> anyway. But you see Tilda Swinton's dick? Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> So he's a psychologist, and um, like Taylor said, he's really not important to the story. He's kind of got his own thing going on, which never really goes anywhere. Yeah, like he's not a character in the original. There is a psychiatrist in the original, but his role is much smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's uh, Patricia's doctor, thinks that, you know, she goes in there just telling him of all these awful things that go on at the dance academy, how it's basically a coven of witches. And he just chalks her up as delusional, mm-hmm. as one would. 
Um, and I think that was supposed to be played off as like uh, a man just like can, like just saying, oh, well, the woman's just being crazy. She's just being a crazy woman. It's like if anyone, man or woman, came in to me and said, oh, well, I think I'm living with a coven of witches. I'm like, oh, well, you're probably insane. Especially when she's like running around, you know, back and forth along the around the office and, uh, you know, like turning over books and talking about, you know, music playing in her head and stuff. It's not it's not like she just comes in and says, like, you know, so, doctor, uh, I think uh, I think these women I'm with might be might be witches. Yeah. No, she's like off the wall, bouncing around and screaming. And yeah, she's just like she comes in like singing a song and like dancing around. Yeah, and talking about a band or something. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, this woman is probably crazy in more ways than one. Yeah, she she's acting crazy. Yeah. Um, that's just probably us just being men, sure, just dismissive, yeah. our toxic masculinity. Yeah, she's probably at a period. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so she runs off and disappears, and we never see, well, not we, we see her again later, but f- for most of the movie, she's gone. So she's been uh, chalked up as missing or, you know, having left the academy and returned home or whatever. Um, and so now there's this open place for Susie in the academy. Um, they provide free room and board. Um, but, you know, in exchange, they can't pay any of the dancers. And so, um, but Susie just wants to dance. She just, she just wants to dance. I just want to dance. Um, <laughs> and uh, so she befriends uh, Sarah who's played by Mia Goth. The first time she has not creeped the hell out of me. It was the first time I've seen her with eyebrows. That too. That helps. <laughs> that definitely helps. Um, and uh, they're not roomies, but they're like neighbors. They're next door to each other in the dorms. And they just kind of become quick friends. Um, and almost right away, you start picking up on the fact that all these older women at the school are witches. Um and exactly what their plot is remains ambiguous for almost the entire movie. Um, but uh, they start realizing that Susie's this one that they're looking for. Don't really know what exactly they yeah, want her the, for. The just, chosen one or yeah. whatever. So they start kind of grooming her um, um, and making her more and more prominent within this dance troupe because apparently, like, to be like, like be the center of this dance routine that they've been working on, it's like in in is part of some kind of ritual or something, and they want her to be the star or, or whatever, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, just you know, things go on, and um, you know, she starts to kind of realize that there's something strange going on at the school and she kind of picks starts to pick up that they're that they're witches but she, instead of you know being freaked out by it she kind of starts like living it like she she she, she gets really into this whole witch thing well like sarah tells her you know she's like there's something wrong here what whatever's happening is is not right and something happened to patricia and i'm worried it's gonna happen to you and right because sarah was friends with patricia yeah um like like best friends and also before Sarah or before Susie came, they were basically grooming Sarah to be what they ultimately had Susie become. I thought they were grooming Patricia. I don't think so. 
Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong though. I don't know. I know that there there was they had some kind of special interest in Sarah, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean Sarah was definitely part of it. I think so I think it was Patricia first, then when Patricia left, they were going to groom Sarah until Susie came along. Maybe that was it. Because, I mean, there was that girl, Olga, Olga too, but I don't really know. I think Olga was just kind of a placeholder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, can I really talk about anything else without giving away stuff? Um. I mean, this, mm, not this, really. this doctor, he, um, you know, he's, he's an older man. He got it probably in his seventies, <laughs> possibly even eighties. Um, he lost his wife in the war when they, when they, when they separate, when they split Berlin, um, and it became a divided city, uh, they ended up on both sides of the wall or on either side of the wall. Um, and so he spent years looking for her. Um, and he still kind of holds out hope that she might turn up. Um, and this is obviously during World War II, so it's been 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, 40, I guess. Um, Do you realize who played his wife? Was it the girl from the original? Yep. I thought so. Jessica Harper. I, I couldn't quite tell, and I meant to look it up, but I totally forgot. Um, yeah, so the the girl who played the main character in the original. Played Susie, yeah. Um was her name Susie in that too? Yeah, Susie Banyan. It's been so long since I fucking saw the original. Me too, but I have it pulled up here. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've said before that I don't really care for Suspiria. Me either. I just I don't. Maybe I just don't get it. I don't I don't know, but it's just not for me. I love Argento, but Suspiria just really does nothing for me. Um, and I know people just swear by it, and it's just it. Yeah, I mean, like, I've told this story on the podcast before, but it was, like, when I first started watching horror, one of the people I worked with was like, oh, well, if you if you like horror, you need to watch Suspiria. Mm-hmm. And so I watched it, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- that was, you know, one of the movies that my, my dad always had around. Um, Suspiria and Teneb- uh, Tenebra. Um, two Argento movies that I just I grew up watching, and it was just Suspiria. I'd never really... I, I liked uh, Tenebra, but... Uh, Suspiria just was never really my thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, they just kind of keep, they've they've been re- rehearsing this dance routine uh, called uh, Volk or Folk, um, which I believe means people. I guess that would make sense. Yeah. Folk, Volk. Yeah. Um. And uh, and like I said, they they've, they've been training Susie to be the like the centerpiece of this dance routine, and it's all like you know in the original it's a ballet school, and this it's like this interpretive dance bullshit, which I also just I don't. They get. called it ballet, but yeah, it's definitely not any no, kind of ballet I've ever ballet. seen. <laughs> like I, I've I've seen ballets. This is not ballet. <laughs> no, this is like, I mean, maybe like a hip hop ballet or something. But <laughs> No, I mean, this this is like interpretive, new age, hippie. Popping and locking and bebopping. Um, and uh, yeah, just ridiculous and annoying to watch, really. Especially when they do it with no music. Yeah. Um, and they're just like. <laughs> 
You know what really made me fucking sick was when, like, so they're all dancing around barefoot in, like, this carpeted room. And fucking Susie, like, keeps putting her face on the floor. <laughs> like, that made me gag. Because I fucking hate feet. And <laughs> watching somebody do that just made me fucking sick. And she was, like, getting off on it, too. Yeah, she was, she was talking about she, fucking an animal. loving it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Like, yeah. the... Uh, uh, Blanc was like, you know, how how did that feel? And she was like, I'm. It it was how I feel. I imagine what it feels like to fuck. She's like, oh, like fuck a man. She's like, no, like fucking an animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that was really downplayed. Like, yeah, Blanc's like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get that. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. I've been there before. <laughs> like, if that were me, I'd be like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> You want a fucking like, animal? Like a dog? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So as far as the story, that that's basically it. There's, just, there's witches and they're doing, they're prepping for some kind of ritual that revolves around this dance routine that they've been doing for 40 years. It's supposed to be some kind of interpretation of what people went through in Berlin during the war. Um, whatever. They're wearing red... <laughs> They're wearing red yarn, and that's it. And and underwear. And underwear, like really ugly skin tone when yeah. uh, skin tone underwear. Um. So, yeah. What do you think, Taylor? I mean, I know I started out asking you that, but you want to elaborate any? Um. It's it's a slow bur- a slow moving movie, for sure. Yeah. The scene with Olga is great. It's so good. I was really hoping that there was going to be much more of that. Yeah. When that started, I was like, okay, here we go. Now it's time for things to pick up. Yeah. But they don't. It goes back to being really slow. Yeah. Because that's, that's something that's, that, that is largely missing from the original. I mean, it has its moments, sure. But as far as like just a lot of like gross gore stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that really appeals to me. It's not really all there, but and, you know when I see a scene like that, I'm like, okay, yeah, now we're now we're going somewhere, and then it just was. Just, then it goes back to being this like slow, creepy movie. I tell you, I was looking at my watch about half an hour into this movie, and just for those of you at home, this is two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's. And they tell you right off the bat. They say it's six acts and an, and an epilogue. Right. And the epilogue is completely unnecessary. Absolutely 100% unnecessary. Did you stay with the stinger? I did, and I wish I hadn't. I didn't. Like, I, I just read what it was. I'm like, all right, I'm leaving. I wish I would have done that. Because, <laughs> like, I sat through it. There was, Everybody left except for me and these four people in front of me. And they don't... It didn't seem like they knew there was a stinger. It seemed like they were just like, oh, well, let's sit here and bullshit for half an hour. <laughs> but then, like, the stinger came on, and then when it was over, I was like, I sat here for that. <sighs> Yeah. I almost did the same thing with Halloween because apparently there was like a... I read what the one in Halloween was, so I left. Yeah. Like, I, I read that there was a stinger, and then, God, there was one that I stayed for, and it wasn't worth it. It? It had a stinger? But it wasn't a stinger. It was like something at the end of the credits that were like, I want to say it was like Pennywise laughing or something. Oh, yeah. And I was like, 
ever since then, it's like, okay, I'm making sure that this stinger is worth staying for. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I feel like this movie was again, like, like I was saying at the beginning, I found it odd that two movies that have nothing to do with each other, no similar themes whatsoever, aside from the fact that it's, I feel like they're trying to convey a sense of femininity or femininity, femininity, and, um, uh, being, trying to be feminist films. Um, but this, I, I assumed it was in there somewhere, but I, I didn't really see it. I didn't get get it if that was the case. Um, I mean, I could see parts where they were, that's what they were trying to do. Um, I think I feel like they were trying to make a villain out of this doctor, and it's just like he didn't do anything. He's not really a villain or a hero. Well, I mean, especially like at the end. Well, I feel like they're trying to uh, make him appear as if he was some kind of enemy to women. Like, especially like uh, when when they uh, trick him into coming to the academy. Yeah, and then that you know before kind of leads into the like last scene. Like they make him seem like he's such a awful person, and just, what did he do? Yeah, what did he do? It's like, are you just trying to? take the one male character in this and make him into a bad guy like and you know even within the film their only justification was that he didn't believe patricia right like who would like i know the whole like believe women thing but this is a different situation (laughs) yeah she's not saying oh my boyfriend's beating me up or my dad is raping me she's saying i live with witches yeah that's different yeah a little bit (laughs) um and I mean that. I don't. It's not the final scene because the, there's more after that. Even though there doesn't need to be, but like the big climax scene, without giving anything away, it's fucking bonkers. Yeah, it it's like so detached from the rest of the movie. Even after it was finished, I still had no idea what the point was. I literally like sat there in theater and said quietly to myself, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my wife. And uh, then I thought, why isn't this movie over? <laughs> Why is this still going? Like that's the perfect way to end this movie. Why yeah. is this still happening? My my wife uh after that was or I guess it was at the end of the movie. She's like that scene like what was that what was the <laughs> point of that? I'm like I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I actually after reading the Wikipedia on it, I was like, "Oh, that's what that was." Cuz there was I didn't know actually what part of it was. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if there had been like more of that and more of the Olga scene, this movie could have been awesome. Cut out all the bullshit in the middle. Yeah. But yeah, it's super, super long. And, you know, there's lots, there's clearly lots of Argento influence in it. A lot of that kind of, you know, Italian style filmmaking. Yeah, especially in the uh, the cinematography. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that kind of, you know, uh, experimental kind of stuff. People seem to love, love this soundtrack because it's fucking Tom York. Let me let me let you in on how I feel about Tom York, um, mainly by saying Radiohead sucks. Radiohead does suck, yeah. That's Radiohead is not good. It's dreary, generic bullshit. And so is Tom York's music. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah and you know most of the the people who have been raving about this movie i feel like uh, it's a lot of the same things about the original suspiria that this uh, you know the cinematography is beautiful and like the the look of it is so you know i mean again very different looks uh, the, the argento one is very bright very mm-hmm. kind of giallo looking this one is more kind of drab it's a lot more of a yellow color palette yeah uh, yeah yellows and browns i mean mm-hmm. which i feel like <laughs> i feel like the, that's very representative of the 70s in general just yellows and browns and, and germany in general sure um but yeah different you know if you're trying to recapture the magic of that's another thing the original took place in munich not berlin yeah it's, it's it was almost like they moved it to berlin to try and incorporate the wall but like the wall had nothing to do with the story and like i guess i started telling that story it's like um klimper he would go into east berlin because he had a summer home that he shared with his wife there, um, like a little cottage. And he would, I think he was just going there to see if maybe she would turn up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was weird seeing uh, him go from west to east Berlin and seeing what he had to go through, you know, in this. He had run- to walk so far. Well, I'm talking about like the the, the, the checkpoints. Like these these Russian checkpoints that he had to go through, yeah, and seeing how uh, similar it was to moving through TSA nowadays, <laughs> it's like wow, we are living in an occupation. <laughs> um, I mean, like yeah, like he would like take a bus, and then you know, and then after even after the bus and the train, he had to walk so far, and I was like, he's so old, <laughs> he's just old. He's, he's gonna so die, old. and no one's gonna find him. <laughs> um. Yeah, and you know, it's. I feel like so many of the people that rave about this are filmmakers. Sure, and I always have such a hard time taking filmmakers' reviews seriously because they're so focused on what the movie looks like. Mm-hmm. Whereas me personally, I'm more focused on the story. Yeah, and the story on this one just moves so slowly. Yeah, you know, I feel like. Uh... You, know, you talked about how it looks very Argento. It looks very uh, giallo and like you know 70s Italian cinema. Um, I don't, I don't think that's a good thing <laughs> because the reason, like, it's very specific. You it's know, a very specific style. Well, it's, like, it's the, like if you don't like that style, then you're not gonna like it. Like the very quick, like close-up shots. You know, going from like a wide shot to like really quickly, very tight on somebody's face. It's like, I don't think that was necessarily done back then as like an artistic move. I think that was done because they were low budget movies and they didn't have like, you know, like cranes and shit to, to, uh, or, you know, um, they didn't have the equipment necessary to take like a, like a good shot, like something like a big budget film would do. So they just did what they could. Yeah. And now it's like trying to do that now when, something like that is so attainable even on a small budget. It's like, it's, it's almost like you're trying to capture the charm, but I don't, I don't personally find it charming. <laughs> I think it's just, it looks like shitty camera work. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I didn't hate this movie and I don't really mean to sound like I'm just bashing it. I just think it was bloated 
and like really into itself. And, um, I, th- I think there's a lot of hype around it and a lot of hype that's continuing into like other reviews. And I, don't I mean, re- it, it is a beautiful movie. It's, it's well shot and everything. But again, like I said, that for me, I'm more inclined to have a movie that doesn't look so good that has a good story. Sure. I'm not, you know, I don't know the intricacies of these shots and everything. So it, to me, I'm just focusing on what's happening and there's not a lot happening. Yeah. I think I think you said you said bloated and I think that's a good word because like I said there are some really awesome scenes in here but then they're like so padded with all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like if you could just kind of trim the fat and make this a more concise story, cut it down to an hour and a half and you know just keep those really good scenes this could be a really entertaining movie. Yeah, it's just like cut out like half of the scenes of watching Klimper about to keel over. <laughs> yeah. Because every time he's walking around, he is breathing so hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, that guy is going to die. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm trying to recall things in the movie that could have been cut out. and There are a few things, but as far as, like, major things that could have been cut out, I, I, I can't recall anything immediately. But, yeah, they're definitely... There's there are definitely ways to trim this down to at least two hours. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cutting out that fucking epilogue, or at least, or cutting down that ending scene that could have helped a lot. Or just cut it out completely. I mean, wait, which ending scene? In the, the basement? Yeah. Oh. No, you can't cut that out. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty important to the plot. Yeah. Um, but you know, cut it in half. Yeah, make it uh, like more tight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they wanted it to be this big epic. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said I, I, don't, I don't. There's a lot of good there, but there's there's just a lot there. Yeah, it's just I I don't want to sound like I'm bad mouthing it because I don't really have a lot to a lot bad to say about it. Mm-hmm. It's just there was too much. It was overdone. Um, and like I said before, very full of itself. It seemed like, uh, the director was just trying to put like, like he, it was, it was almost as if he kept having ideas as they were filming and he's like, <laughs> Oh, we got to put that in too. Um, and that's, that's kind of how it felt to me. Um, and maybe, maybe that's why it was such a limited release because it was so fucking long and like <laughs> nobody really. Jumped in and say, "Hey, maybe we should cut this down so we can appeal to a wider market." Well, I mean, how long is the original? Like maybe two hours. Oh, it's ninety-eight minutes. Yeah, it's much more concise. Yeah, and he's uh, already talking about sequels and shit too. Right. Yeah, we we talked about that. Um, j- yeah, just note that the the original didn't have a sequel. Yeah. But no, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm. I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to take anything away from anybody that liked it. Um, just we clearly have very different tastes, and I I don't I don't get it. I guess. Yeah. But anyway, like I get the mood, and you know, it's a it's a haunting movie, but I I need stimuli. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know that's not that's not everyone, but 
for me, I need something going on. I need more story and less just padding. Yeah, I don't need people pensively staring at each other from across the room. Right. And that going on for like 10 fucking minutes. Like, because that happens. Yeah. Um, And it's just, yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, um, do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. Okay. Um... I'm torn between a four and a five. What do you think? Uh, I was torn between a five and a six. Mm. I'll say five. If if nothing else, that end scene, to, despite how long it was and how fucking weird it was, it was pretty cool. It, like had some cool effects and yeah. Too much CGI, though. Yeah, I really wish there were a lot more practical stuff in there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure most of that room itself was CGI. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll go 5-2, then. All right. Five fives. We're, that's four fives. Four fives, that's what I meant. <laughs> anyway. All the fives. So, that's it, guys. Yep, that's another one in the books. 120. We can finally take a fucking break. Yay, no episode next week. (laughs) Um, But we will be back in two weeks with episode 121. What will we be watching then, Taylor? Uh, We're going to be watching Overlord and the Expendables of Horror, Death House. Do we have to go to a theater to see both of those? No, Death Death House is on VOD. Oh, okay. We will have to for Overlord, though. The new Cloverfield movie. (laughs) All right. Um. Yeah, we'll also have a new uh, new Patreon exclusive review up by then. Yeah, invasion of the bee women or something like that. <laughs> the bee girls. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're going to spend our time doing, guys. And then you will listen because you're all slaves, and you will love it. <laughs> um. So join us then. Uh, till then, Taylor, where can people check us out? You can check us out at graveplotpodcast.com. Get your Grave Plot Film Fest tickets at graveplotfilmfest.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook as Grave Plot Podcast. Join our Facebook group, The Graveyard. Follow us on Twitter as Grave underscore plot. And of course, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Do it now. Do it now. We still have magnets. If you give us a review and let us know about it, we'll send you a magnet. We will, in fact. Do that. I mean, we've done it before. It's happened. <laughs> um, that is real. That is true. Did you say Patreon? Nope. Patreon.com slash Great Plot Podcast. Perks for as little as a dollar. Okay. Uh, so, like I said, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode 121. Till then, guys, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Great Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside.
up your face. 